the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. judgment greater than anything you've ever known and it won't be long your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God and every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come shelter from the coming storm all creation shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that jesus christ is lord to the glory of the father will you bow will you surrender he can save you from the might of all your sin This is a fight in which he stands In perfect victory While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ. 
right You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Is there a direct path into the heart of Jesus? Now, I've been a Christian, so-called, all my life. I've always attended church. I've always listened to the preaching. I've always done my best to follow what I believed was right until self-indulgence stepped in and then I pulled back. Here's the, here's the problem we're facing, and it's a, it's a very difficult one. In Psalm 51, I'm sure you're very familiar with it, it opens with verse 1 and 2. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Well, in the Hebrew, in verse 1, the cry, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, literally in the Hebrew is, come and moan over me, O God, and have in your heart an inclination to rescue me, to care for me. Well, here's the problem. Do you want God to come and moan over you? Do you want God to come and begin to totally change what's happening in your life? Well, frankly, the answer is no. We don't want that. What do I mean? Well, let's say your sin is self-indulgence. 
and you've just come back from a very self-indulgent time. We could identify self-indulgence, but come on, we're big boys and girls. Doing everything to take care of me. So we come back and we go to bed, and God comes, and you hear God beginning to moan over you. Are you going to be a happy camper? No, you're not. You don't want your self-indulgence exposed, and you don't want to stop being self-indulgent. You like all the things you like. You like the TV shows. You like the, the shopping. Some of you like the TikToks. Do you want to stop that self-indulgence? Oh, no. Well, let's try another one. Let's try sexual uncleanness. So you've just got up in the morning. You're shacked up with somebody. Do you want God to come and moan over you? And say, that person that you just went to bed with is not your wife. It is not your husband. Now cut it off. God's moaning over me. No, you don't want that. You want, you want your sexual uncleanness to continue and to be told, oh, there, there, God loves you. He accepts you. You're okay. Don't worry. Are you kidding me? Well, let's try some others. Let's try witchcraft. You want to sit down in the evening and watch the shows on vampires? You go to bed after you've watched your vampire shows. Do you want God to come and moan over you? And say, do you understand what these vampire shows are doing to your heart? No, you don't want to do that. You just had a fight with somebody. Big brouhaha. You're mad. You go to bed mad. Do you want God to come and moan over you now? No. You, I'm right, they're wrong. No, you don't want God to come and, and moan over you now. Or let's just say you're numb. You're just numb. You're going through your day, you're doing the best job you can. You've got your nice, comfortable chair. You've got your, your entertainment that you like. You've got your sports that you like. You've got your wife that you love or your husband that you love. You've got some problems, but you can handle them. You're just numbed out. You've got some religion. You go to church. But you don't really step into it with vigor. You don't. You don't pray. You don't go after it. You're, you're numb. You want God to come moan over you? See, here's, here's the issue I'm trying to get at. 
what is the path into the heart of Jesus? Some of you have been taught that the path into the heart of Jesus is praise and worship. And we saw that on a college campus recently where they went a number of days just with praise and worship. Unfortunately, praise and worship does not lead a man or a woman into the heart of Jesus. In the midst of all of that, Jesus may move on a specific purpose or person and, and speak to them about their life, and that's a good thing. We're also told if you want to know Jesus and you want to be in his heart, then read the scriptures. I've been an advocate for reading the scriptures for many years, reading Genesis to Revelation several times a year. Well, is that reading the scriptures, will that take you into the heart of Jesus? No, it will not. It'll aid, it'll help, but it won't do it. According to the scriptures, there's only one way into the heart of God, specifically into the heart of Jesus, and that is repentance. Jesus came, John came, Peter came, they all came preaching the same message, repent. So we repent a little, not too radical. As you know, I've been sharing updates on occasion where I am in the second month of having fallen and broken bones in my right hip and leg, and I can't put any weight on it. And everybody says, have you gone to the doctor yet? You've got to get extra. You got to... No, I've got to go to Jesus. And I've got to let Jesus tell me what I'm to do. Psalm 51 says, he says it plainly. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed Rejoice. I need the bones that Jesus crushed to be healed. So what's going on with me is I, I've been cut off. I've been cut off from friends. I've been cut off from activities. I've been cut off from favorite places that I like to go. I've been cut off from just about everything. And then the Lord cut off my my cell phone. He cut off the internet for me, except as I come to do this broadcast. I'm cut off. Do you understand what that means? That means 24-7 in the house, on a chair or a couch, depending on which one I can stand to sit on, for whatever length of time I need to sit down. I'm cut off. 
Now, what's happening to me in this process of, of being cut off is the Holy Spirit has been speaking with me very bluntly about sin that's in my life. And he's been dealing with it. One of my great sins is waywardness. I want to go where I want to go, when I want to go. Isn't that the American way? And I can't do that now. Waywardness is being in charge of my own life, making decisions about what I'm going to do with my life today, who I'm going to talk with, who I'm going to visit. Waywardness comes and says, use your brain. You're welcome to go where you need to go and do what you need to do. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, there is. It's waywardness. I don't know of a preacher in America that has not had to deal or has refused to deal with their waywardness. We're a pretty wayward crowd wanting our own way, not wanting to wait on Jesus, not praying through what he wants us to do, bringing our plans to our church vestry or a church board and just saying, this is what we believe God wants us to do. Now let's pray and ask God to bless us in our plans. And of course, the prayers are prayed and they don't go any higher than the ceiling. They crash and burn. And if there's success, it's because there is someone with a somewhat sophisticated understanding of how money works because it all comes back to money. Doesn't it? So when we begin to look the problem in coming into the heart of Jesus is that we don't like the path into the heart of Jesus. We'd rather take a side path of praise and worship. We'd rather take a side path of taking classes and gaining more understanding and information. But the last thing we want to do is repent because that means we have to stop what we're doing. Do you understand? Sin is an action. And we want to cut that action. If we're going to repent, it has to stop. The action must end. That means that I must stop being wayward, stop going where I want to go and go where the Spirit of God directs me. And that will require a considerable amount of scripture and prayer time waiting on God to say what he wants in my life. Self-indulgence. I, I like what I like. And I want what I want. To come to Jesus 
the first thing he's going to say is repent. In other words, stop doing what you're doing. Now, I tell you what's happened to me. When I fell, one blinding, crashing haze of pain, my life stopped. I stopped. I don't go where I want to go. I don't do what I want to do. My life's over. And the glory of this is that Jesus is right there in my heart and in my mind and in my life saying, yes, I wanted your life to be over, Ray, because I want your life. Many years ago, he said to me, you were bought at a price. You are not your own. I didn't like that. I want to be my own. But the fact is, I'm not my own. And as the Holy Spirit has brought deep conviction to me regarding my self-indulgence, my waywardness, I've had to release that. I spoke Sunday with our church about casualness. Oh, I can come, I can go. Maybe I go to church, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll give something, maybe I won't. Waywardness is about casualness because casualness has me in charge. Casualness has me determining what I'm going to do. And I'm casual. Hey, I'm cool. I got it. Don't get too serious, Ray. Don't push this too far. What's well, hard not to push this too far when your bones are crushed. And you live in a haze of pain. Then you want God to bend over you. And moan over you. And to have great unfailing love. To have great compassion. You want him to come and blot out all of your transgressions. And wash away all of your iniquity. To cleanse me from my sin. Now I want to be clear about some terms. Iniquity in the, in the Old Testament... In the Hebrew, means your go-to sin. It means the sin you repeatedly go to for satisfaction. Could be a sexual sin. Could be a certain food that you know you shouldn't eat, but you want. It could be any place that is your comfort the television, the internet, the cell phone. It's where you go to comfort yourself in your sin.
sin in the Old Testament is an action. James talks about the sin. He talks about how Satan will come and bait you with delectable things to get you to commit that sin. And you think about it. And then you act on it. You've been seduced by a a sexual person. Husband, no. Wife, no. We're talking about extramarital. And the devil comes with his seducing spirits and he says, hey, you can have her. She wants you. He wants you. Go. Nobody will know. Yes, they will. God knows. Or Satan baits you with another person who knows just the right buttons to push in your heart and you explode in a fit of rage and anger and cursing and swearing and striking the other person. The other person, of course, acts very righteous. Upright. I'm not cussing you out. Why are you cussing me out? This is your problem, not my problem. Oh, and the fight gets hot. Discord, fits of rage. Now, do you want God to come and moan over you? No, it's his fault. It's her fault. And so we have in Psalm 51, David, who knows his sin. Well, I hope you caught that. Many of you do not know the sin of your heart. You are numb. You're just going along having a great time, but you don't know your sin. And so you don't even know that you need God to come and moan over you. You don't need God to come and say, I want to give you my unfailing love and my great compassion. You say, why? I'm fine. I'm doing great. No, you're not. No, you're not. He's saying, according to your great compassion, Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all of my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Well, what was the way in that day that they washed something and got it clean? They got a big tub of hot sudsy water. And they put it in that. And then somebody got in and trampled all over that garment. Or whatever it was that was offending with its with its uh, dirtiness 
David is offended deeply with his dirtiness, with his affair with Bathsheba. And then murdering Uriah, her husband, with several other men at the same time. This was not just murder one. This was multiple murders. It happened that Uriah was the husband of Bathsheba. And he wanted to cover over his sin. He didn't want Uriah the Hittite coming home and taking his sword and coming after David. That would have been unseeming. So David said, I know my transgressions. I acknowledge my sin before you. The first step in following at the path that will take you directly into the heart of Jesus is to acknowledge your sin. To acknowledge and take responsibility for your sin. As you acknowledge your sin, as you take responsibility for your sin, It's going to get real difficult if you don't want to acknowledge that that's sin and that you are and that you are responsible. If you don't admit your own accountability, your own responsibility for the sin that you are numb to and have hidden from yourself even for years, God may have to do something so radical in your life as break some bones. Look what he did to Jonah. He put Jonah in the belly of a fish. And for some time, evidently from the prayer, Jonah was unwilling to come to terms with God about being in that fish's belly. The stench didn't do it. The pieces of partially digested fish didn't do it. According to his prayer, what finally got his attention was when his head was bouncing off the top of that big fish's belly. And he felt the seaweed circling his head. And he recognized that he was going to be dead shortly if he did not begin to do something. And at that point, he began to cry out to God for God's mercy, for God to come and moan over him. To extend to him his his great compassion and unfailing love. And he began to look as best he knew toward Jerusalem and the temple and plead for God's mercy. At which point, the fish took him on a journey, vomited him up on the land, and God said, now go do what I told you to do. We've got to come to terms with our sin. And I tell you, my fall and the breaking of my bones 
has had a powerful impact on my willingness to finally acknowledge my self-indulgence and my waywardness. Because I can't do anything about either one of them to continue enjoying them. I am done. I am broken. And what I'm hearing in the Spirit is the Lord is saying, I have cut you off from your life. I've cut you off from your cell phone. I've cut you off from the Internet. If somebody wants to see you, they can stop by the house and talk with you and pray with you. But you're not going to go out. Yes, Jesus. It's humbled my heart. It's humbled my heart. And great love has been springing up in my heart for Jesus. I woke up this morning and I said to my wife, I feel like a flat tire. And then I said, but what I did was I began to sing songs of praise and worship, gratitude for the Lord God, as I'm here broken. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit came down. The Holy Spirit came down. And great joy filled my soul. And instantly I no longer felt like a flat tire. I felt like a son of the living God with Jesus moaning over me, extending great mercy to me. He's told me yesterday, from now on every day, you're going to feel better. And that's true. I felt better this morning. I'll be specific. I'll tell you how. I woke up in the midst of the night. I had to get up and go to the bathroom. I came back to bed. My wife was sound asleep on her couch. I said, Lord, how do I get back in the couch, in the bed? And he showed me. Lift the right leg with your left leg, and I'll give you the strength, and place your right leg back in bed. It was the first time since the accident that I've been able to get myself back in bed by myself. I was very grateful to Jesus. And I just lay there and praised him. Because I see he's carrying me. And he's moving in me. And I'm grateful for that. So he says, 
put me in a tub of water, put in lots of soap, and just stomp on me. Wash away all of my iniquity, all of my go-to places. Well, if you're going to wash away all of those go-to places, they have to be identified, don't they? And accountability for it. And then to cleanse me from my sin, his sin was the sin of Bathsheba. Sexual sin. He says, for I know my transgressions. I acknowledge what I did. My sin is always before me. Against you and you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. See, sin is very personal. And it is an action. He says, you are proved right when you speak and you're justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desired truth in the inward parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Well, he's now saying something difficult to admit. I've always been sinful. I've always been wayward. I've always been self-indulgent. The smallest child is self-indulgent and wayward. Doesn't want mama to say where he can go or what he can do. He'll be in charge of what he's going to do. David is admitting that he was born in sin. He was sinful at birth. He was knit together in his mama's womb. But there was something else that entered into that womb. He was made after his kind. His kind was his daddy. Adam and Eve. He was sinful from birth. From the time my mother conceived me. You see, until we begin to truly acknowledge that we are not gods, we are created beings, and there is a redemption story that is so fabulous as Jesus came and shed his blood as the sinless son of the holy God of heaven. And there is redemption story we need to understand that redemption story. Jesus took the blows. He took the stripes. He took the, the worst torture a man can take. He hung on that cross. 
It is based on that cross that David can finally say, I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Knowing that God is saying, surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Now for me today, it's bones that have been crushed. For you, it may be an ungodly attitude or action you've taken. It may be a sexual uncleanness that you've participated in. It may be masturbation. It may be pornography. I don't know what it is for you. It may even be sodomy. Unclean, unholy, wicked. And he's saying, cleanse me with hyssop. You know, hyssop is that plant that they use to scrub things up sometimes. He says, if you'll cleanse me with hyssop, I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. You know and I know, the only way you can be washed and truly made clean is by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's the blood that washes us, that cleans us up, that makes us whiter than snow. He's saying, I'm willing to go through whatever the process is that will finally bring me into that place of being washed by you, Jesus. Made clean. It's up to you, Jesus. I'll do whatever you say. Hide your face from my sins. And blot out my iniquities. Blot out my go-to places of comfort that are disgusting to you, Jesus. That numb me out. That turn my heart toward darkness. You're probably not going to understand what I'm going to say, but I need to say it to you to be faithful to Jesus. If you disobey a clear command from the Holy Spirit, God will punish you. If you disobey a clear command by the Holy Spirit to your heart, I'm not talking about audible. I'm just saying you know in your heart this is wrong and you should stop doing it. And you don't stop doing it. You continue on that road. At some point, God is going to either write you off and leave you. Or he is going to send you very painful, very difficult punishment. Hebrews 12 talks about 
receiving floggings. That's not just a little pat on your butt. He's saying he is going to send you a flogging. And if you don't wake up with that flogging, again, he is either going to leave you and write you off, which he has done many times to many people. This is not a forever opportunity to enter salvation. The heart of Jesus is not easy to enter. It requires integrity on our part. It requires a very serious approach to repentance, to turning away from our wicked ways. Whether it's lying, hatred, discord, jealousies, fits of rage, idolatry. These are all things that the scripture lists as being despicable and that you cannot enter the kingdom of God with these things. Oh, what about the sinning Christian? We won't even go there. Anyone who believes that is in such deep trouble with Jesus. Please hear me. The Holy Spirit will give you a warning. Maybe he'll give you more than one warning. And then finally, he'll bring your world crashing down. Maybe a job loss. You may get cancer and have to deal with that and finally give up control so that the Lord can save you. I don't know what the issue will be for you. I just know that God will give you warning after warning after warning, and then he will administer a very sound beating to your back, to your life. Now you can say, ah, oh, pastor, you're wrong, you're crazy. Okay, read Hebrews 12. Read Psalm 51. Please understand what I'm saying to you today. You are you are loved by God. And he wants you to stop sinning. He wants you to turn to righteousness. He wants you to be filled by his holy spirit. Will you turn aside from your wicked ways? Will you give up your numbness? Will you give up your self-indulgence and your waywardness? And will you come and begin to enter into the presence of Almighty God. If you will begin to understand the depth of your sin and the brokenness that that sin has brought into your life and your family's life, your church's life, then in God's unfailing love, 
He will moan over you. And he will wash away your sin. He will cleanse you. He will restore you. If you will acknowledge your sin and take responsibility for it, you are on your way to the heart of Jesus. And he will carry you there. He will carry you to the heart of Jesus. That's what the blood does for us. It's not works. It's the blood of Jesus. And he will carry you to his very heart. But you're going to have to repent. There's no path to the heart of Jesus save the one path of repentance. Let's pray. Almighty God, we have come to a place where we need you to even give us the ability to repent. For we have been a wayward people. We have been a self-indulgent people. We're Americans, Lord. We'll push anything off to somebody else's shoulders that we can. But Lord, we've come to a place where we've got to take now responsibility for our own actions. And I'm asking now, Jesus, if there are people listening who are not ready for you to moan over them, then please just give them time. But do whatever is necessary in their lives to get their attention, to cause them to say, I must get to Jesus. I'm going to die if I don't get to Jesus. Lord, whatever it takes, awaken your people. Awaken us, Jesus. Let us turn with total trust and devotion to you, Jesus, and leave behind the world, the flesh, and the devil. Lord, I'm asking, redeem your people. Bring them in to that place of repentance where they will cry aloud to you and turn from every wicked thing Lord, some things they don't even realize are wicked. I pray, O oh God, that you will unveil the sin of our hearts. Lord, that you will show us, that you'll make it plain before us, that you will leave us with no excuse for our wickedness. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen.
we need to pay last month's radio bill. Just a heads up, we're still short for last month's radio bill. If you'd like to help cover the cost of this ministry, you're welcome to do, to do that. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. This is a Jesus-sponsored radio broadcast, and he sponsors it by moving in the hearts of people to give. So I don't need to press you or urge you. The Holy Spirit will do that if he wants you to give and help. My heart does cry out, though, for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be dealt with honestly, with integrity, with gentleness, with love. And that the way open before you for repentance, for that is the only way into the heart of Jesus. Well, we're out of time. I love you. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.